Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Gals Chat Podcast. This is your co-host, Amy. And this is your co-host, Lara. In today's episode of the podcast, we're interviewing Mina Dizianian, who is going to talk to us about her journey as a creator of Iron Ring Girls and being a civil engineer. Mina works in construction development. After she graduated from civil engineering in 2014, she created an online community of women in engineering on Instagram called Iron Ring Girls, where she shares engineering career secrets that they don't teach in a classroom. She is also the author of Wait, Are Good Grades Enough? A Guide for Engineering Students. Hey, Mina, welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Hi, Amy. Hi, Laura. Thank you for having me. Very excited. Yes, we're so excited to have you as well. I think uh, one thing that we should say is Mina has been part of this Instagram, you know, tech community for several years now. I think you were like one of the first people that really started uh, talking about engineering online. And today it's grown into a massive network. And you know, Maritza and I ourselves have been really inspired by everything you do on Ring Girls. So I'm really excited to talk to you more about, you know, everything that you're doing with that and more about you as an engineer as well. Thank you. Yeah, I remember when I started Iron Ring Girls, there really weren't many Instagram pages or at least active ones that were actively talking about engineering. I used to see a lot of nursing and med students, you know, highlighting their journey through their profession. But when it came to engineering, I kind of, I actually remember, uh, you know, the um, engineering memes guy page. Yeah. So I remember when I started Iron Ringles, he was like, oh my God, finally, there's a girl out here. <laughs> I think it was just like um, desert of um, boys running these pages. And then, um, yeah. and it was, a, it was a good start. Yeah. Yeah. And then you had started back in what year was it? So I started Iron Ring Girls pretty much a little after I graduated. I graduated in 2014. And I started the page in 2015, end of 2015, I would say. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. And then, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. And That's then, around the same time that um, Engineering Gals also kind of started, right? Yeah, about 2016. Um, we And then that's when we were like, wow, we have to stick together because there's only like two pages. Like It was like me, uh, our page, Mina, and then like a few other pages. Yeah, so it's really cute to see us like grow over the years. Yeah, it is. It's become it has definitely developed into a very strong community. I was a little, um, you know, over the several years that I've been running the page, there's been a lot of ups and downs and there was a downtime. And then when I picked myself back up and became a little bit more active on the page, I saw, wow, there is so many more people talking about you know engineering and it was just so nice to see and the community's definitely grown yeah I agree I think now when I look back when we did first start there weren't that many pages like even people like women specifically talking about engineering but now it's like every day I see more and more creators and more and more you know people and women supporting each other in in the community it's definitely grown into a really strong network agreed 
That's amazing. Yeah, so I really want to touch more about that uh, throughout the podcast, and we'll touch more about that later. But can you tell us more about yourself? Like, what really started your interest in engineering? Um, so I wish I had more of an inspirational story about how I started in engineering, but my interest really just came from and actually, no, I didn't even have a big interest in engineering from the beginning, if I'm being um, very honest with you. So I was just, uh, you know, a high school student. I was always, my grades were always really good. My dad was an engineer and uh, he's worked as a businessman, but he has his engineering degree. And so engineering was always an option. And then I actually applied for architecture and I didn't get in because architecture had you had to submit a portfolio and then they looked at your grades. So I passed the grades part, but I didn't pass the portfolio part. I'm kind of happy because my artistic side is, is not that good. So um, my second option was just civil engineering because it was more or less close. I mean, obviously it's not the same as architecture, but it, it was in the same family of uh, work. And uh, yeah, so I went into civil and that's how it just kind of grew. And I, would definitely say over the last couple of years that I've actually been working in the profession, that's when my interest actually grew. But from the beginning, I wasn't, it really wasn't my passion from the start. I didn't even know what my passion was. Um, I know a lot of people say like, follow your passion, follow your passion, but uh, it's really hard to find your passion. I don't know if it's happened to you or not, but for me, it wasn't something, you know, from childhood or anything. So it, it, it definitely was a process. And then I studied civil engineering. I graduated with a minor in um, uh, engineering business from the University of Toronto. And it just went from there. That's where it all started. I'm so happy you mentioned that because I think, I mean, I've mentioned it on other podcasts, but yeah, I was also, I guess, not the person who went into engineering because it was um, my passion. And it's it's really funny because I wanted to go to school for architecture as well. So, But then the university I ended up going to didn't have an architecture program. So I started off as civil engineering. Um, yeah, I started out in the civil engineering department and then transferred to material science and engineering. So that's pretty interesting. But yeah, I totally feel you on the same boat, um, still figuring out my passion and testing things out. You know what I wish they taught us a little bit more in school is, and and our, our, on Iron Ring Girls, I talk a lot about, you know, things that they don't teach you in classrooms. And this is definitely one of them. It's the fact that this idea or this thought that you have to have a passion from the beginning in order to have a very successful career that is so wrong and uh, I wish they would have exposed us a little bit more to the different career options we would have in, well, right now, because we're talking about engineering, want to focus on that. But like, if they only, you know, said, you know, as a civil engineer, you could do this, this, and this. As an electrical engineer, you could do this, this, and this. But for us, it was just, oh, it's engineering. And that vision of what we could do with that degree just wasn't there. And I think that's why a lot of people went into architecture because they could imagine what they would do as an architect. They knew they would design buildings. You know, everybody can envision that. 
But when it came to engineering, it was kind of like, okay, but what would we actually, what would we actually do at work? Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like it wasn't tangible yes. and that was such a big issue. And I just, the fact that this community right now is displaying what they're doing on a daily basis at work. And I, I think that's super important. And I wish schools did a better job at creating that vision for us, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I definitely agree with that. It's still a topic that a lot of people talk about, just like it's a running joke, I think, when people try to say or ask a question of like, oh, what does an engineer do? And then to be honest, there's not really like one explanation of like what like what we do on a day-to-day basis or what our jobs actually entail. In a good in, in a way, like it's a good thing because we really do expand in many, many different directions and fields. And that's why it's so amazing how um, accounts like engineering gals and iron ring girls like highlight all these different people and their journeys and just different paths um, and that's also the point of the podcast but at the same time it's like that we didn't really hear about this kind of stuff in school so it's like yeah we took um, classes on like like calculus or like chemistry or like thermodynamics and for me at least and it's like okay what what do I actually get to do with this information and it's not later until like later in your college years where you start maybe like going to conferences or maybe hearing people speak on like certain topics. It's like you don't even know where to begin on how to apply everything that you're learning unless you really like go out of your way, like out of like college courses or the university to really explore what else is out there. So it's very makes it kind of difficult to kickstart your like your actual career outside of just university. I don't know if you had a similar experience, but at least that was what I felt. Because I mean, I uh, my parents were not engineers. I don't really, I didn't really know what engineering was until honestly until my first year of college. So that's where like how my experience and career evolved. <laughs> at least, at least yours was your first year of college. Mine was after I graduated. This is what it's all about. Did you do any internships while you were in college? Yeah, so at U of T, we had two options. One uh, option was doing PEY, which was after third year, you would go work for an entire year and then come back and finish off your fourth year, which would technically be your fifth year. And then the second option was to do a co-op position over the summer and get 600 hours of work experience, and then you would graduate in four years. I really wanted to just get it over with and uh, finish and get my degree. So I, I took the second option and I had a, um, um, I worked at the engineering department at TTC, that's Toronto Transit Commission. So that's our like metro line here. Um, and I did like a summer term there and that's pretty much the only uh, engineering related experience I had during school. Yeah, uh, yeah, I could definitely relate with you. And the crazy thing is, is like engineering is a type of thing that's everywhere. Like anything you look at, touch, technology, your laptop, your phone, drinking water from the tap, like the house you're in, like it's all <laughs> engineered. But you don't really even know that's a thing until you like, like you said, like go to college or graduate. That's right. What was your transition from university to the professional world like, Nina? So, like I said, university for me was a very um, special experience, I would call it. 
uh, especially because I um, I'd lived in Canada before when I was younger, and then I went and did my high school in Iran. I'm Iranian. And so I went to an international school in Iran, and I got the international baccalaureate diploma there. And that's how I got accepted to U of T. And when I came to Canada and I was going through university, it was kind of this huge change of, you know, when you're 18 and it's that phase and it was this whole new country that I was living in. Although I had lived here before, but it was still new to me, like that, you know, university life because I didn't go to high school here. And that most of my four years of university, I spent just trying to figure out the vibe and and the you know what I mean like just trying to figure mm-hmm. out my place and already university was extremely difficult especially at UFT because it is so competitive and so academic like you have some other universities where you have you know four-year co-op terms four-year school terms like the University of Waterloo but at UFT it was just extremely academic and competitive So to me, university was an extremely difficult time. And then transitioning again from university to work was another big change. And for me, it was, I would say, difficult only because I didn't know what to expect. And I think that's why so many people struggle in whatever transition they're at, whether it's high school to university or university to work. That change, that change in environment, especially if you're an international school or if you're, uh, you know, um, immigrants to a country, that's even harder for you. So it's funny how so many people would say, oh, I dropped out of engineering and I dropped out of um, like my first job or whatever because um, it was too hard. But a lot of the time, it's not because engineering is too hard for that person or that they're not smart enough or that they're not capable. It's because that change is so sudden and it's such a shock that you just don't know what to do with yourself, especially at that age. Like I'm talking right to you right now as a 29-year-old, and I know exactly how to handle change right now to some extent. But like as an 18-year-old, as a 21-year-old after you graduate, you, you really don't know. So um, the transition for me was uh, difficult only because I just did not know what to expect. And going into, uh, and I'm sure you've probably experienced the same thing, going into work after university, it's like you're going into, you're in a, I wouldn't call it a cage, but you're just in this box, which is university. And, you know, you know exactly what to focus on, you know, to how to, you have to focus on your grades, you have to focus on your assignments and your presentations and then you go to work and it's like oh (laughs) you're just left you're just free to run around and and um, show your potential and you just don't know how so I think for me it wasn't the work itself that was difficult it was just that change in those soft skills that were very difficult for me to learn especially because I wasn't trained on them before you know yeah that's an amazing way to word it, how you described it. What was your first job out of college? So I worked at WSP. It's um, I worked in uh, the transportation design department. I was um, 
for example, doing things like uh, road designs or um, transportation hub designs where you have like a taxi lane and a subway lane and a bus lane and things like that. So it was um, it was municipal civil design work. Gotcha. But then I changed from that. <laughs> so that's a whole other story. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So you pretty much changed from design and transportation to then construction, right? That's right. Yeah. I like a lot of recent grads, I just wanted to get a job. <laughs> like my goal was to get, I did not care what type of job, what company. The The more known the company, the better because I wanted it on my resume, especially because I only had that one experience in university. So I applied to a bunch of places and I got that job and it I was there actually for two years, and um, at the time, the company was called uh, WS, um, no, um, Parsons Brinkerhoff, and then WSB bought them out. So after two years, when the company got bought out, it was all that change that was happening, and I really didn't like the um, environment or the group that I was working in, and uh, I decided to give construction a try, and it turns out I really liked it. That's nice. So... What types of projects do you work on as a project manager or what are your favorite things about it? So I build houses, mostly residential. Um, and that's what I started in when I went into construction management. Uh, we do some small commercial projects as well. Um, my favorite thing about it, honestly, is the fact that these are one one in a year, like a year and a half um, long project. So you genuinely like you see something come to life within uh, a year or so, which is pretty amazing. Um, some projects take, as you know, like if it's a city project or something, it takes years and years for it to actually be built. But I j- really enjoy the um, the timing of it. And the challenges are very, um, there's a lot of challenges. But uh, that's my favorite part about it just watching something come to life. Uh, I think it's pretty cool. That's so that nice. sounds pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, What's I would think that you wish something on the West Coast <laughs> where you are, <laughs> Amy, because yes. like some, the weather is so beautiful there. But I mean, in Toronto, we have our I'm in Toronto, Canada. So we have our limits with what uh, limitations with weather. But yeah. uh, we do our best. <laughs> right. Because when it snows, like, what do you guys do? Do you guys not construct during that time? Oh, we can't not work. That's like five months of the year. <laughs> oh, no, I'm kidding. It's not five months, but no, we work. They work. Um, okay. On There's some days where it's, you know, super cold and very snowy where like you don't pour concrete that day or if, um, if you have framers and whatnot, like if it's outside work, like it's not an enclosure enclosed yet. Um, mm-hmm. then uh, they just don't come to work, but they still work. And if it's inside, you just have like temporary heat and you work away. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it never stops. <laughs> right? You can't year. stop construction. <laughs> yeah. The construction business is always booming. <laughs> we barely had any days off during the pandemic. Like all of our sites oh. were open. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Although like the offices were closed, but... Uh, all the construction so I've, I've pretty much been working non-stop throughout the entire pandemic so yeah construction never stops <laughs> are you going on site um as well or and working from home or what is your work situation like yeah so 
I work at a smaller firm and when you're a project manager at this firm, you're pretty much taking on the project from A to Z, which means you're doing budget control, client relations, scheduling, and site management. Uh, obviously, that means you have to go on site every so often um, and for all the paperwork, contracts, budgeting, scheduling, client meetings, things like that, it, it's all done from the office or at home. So yeah, it's kind of like a 60-40 situation where it's like 60% in the office and then 40% on site. Got it. Yeah. Which is nice if somebody has that kind of personality where they can't sit in an office all day. Mm -hmm. I think this is a perfect balance and it's like a change of scenery. Um, When you go out there, you see things coming to life. You understand so much more when you go on site and actually see things yourself. Uh, I think it makes you definitely a better engineer and a better project manager. I agree. I think going on site is always really helpful for me too. Yeah, I can I can see that. What's one thing that you wish you had known before you began your career? Oh my god, so much. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> give us give us a few some gems. Everything. Um. So, um. I really do wish someone had told me that things aren't just lined up for you the way that, you know, school was. School was so scheduled, you know. Mm-hmm. You went to high school, you went to middle school, you went to high school, uh, you went to university right after. You you just had to pick a couple courses and you're good to go. But it is difficult to actually um go out there and 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 find things on your own because like literally if you sit at home nothing will happen for you. So, it was very interesting for me to experience how, I knew you had to obviously go find a job and things like that, but the amount of effort to put into it and the amount of like social skills you would need to get there, that I I really wish somebody had kind of given me a heads up on that like, "Hey, <laughs> you know, learn how to network a little better or um, Mm -hmm. learn how to talk about yourself in a very – like advocate for yourself or when you meet someone, how do you talk about yourself? Um, So I I feel like these soft skills that I learned throughout years of working, uh, I I genuinely didn't even know I I needed them as much as I do, you know? I don't know if you've experienced that as well. Yeah, for sure. I think you summed it up pretty well. Like it is, you know, different going from just school back to back, back to back. And then you're not in school anymore. Like your whole life you go to school and then all of a sudden you have to learn how to do different types of projects or talk to your teammates and your boss. And how do you, you know, move up in positions or you know, all of that stuff, I think it's it's not necessarily taught in school at all, no. And yeah, like similar to you, I learned it, you know, as I went. And now that we do have a community online, I do learn a lot of other things from the community itself, like negotiation and things like th- other things like that you have posted on your page as well, um, like the soft skills and things like that. But that's been my experience is like learning as you go. And then now I can, I can honestly say I do utilize the community that we're a part of now. You know, one thing, it's funny, I, 
uh, one thing I've noticed about the whole like online ad- advocating scene mm-hmm. is how comfortable people are sharing their um, not only just their successes but their failures. So and then they talk about how they overcome these failures, and I think that is so so important. Like for example, if somebody fails a class or something or a test, which happens, like it, it happens especially in very academically like competitive universities where your averages are like in the fifty percent or you know like they're very low. It happens; people fail, um, and people are talking about that so much more and then they're kind of normalizing it which is so interesting to me because like I I failed a subject in university and when I failed I thought it was the end of the world I was like oh no Uh, it's I thought I was the only one I thought it it was I won't be able to graduate anymore Um, but now I see people are openly talking about these failures and then more importantly talking about how they're overcoming these failures which is pretty much how you succeed like isn't that like the definition of let's say I don't know success or whatever you want to call it like reaching your goals like isn't that what it is just learning to overcome challenges right like and people are doing that and it's really great yeah I agree I that's the the part where I feel like you know I learn from the community because like they're able to really overcome those challenges but they show us what that part of that journey is like so you know, that, okay, like this person isn't a robot. They're not always 4.0 student. And it's like more easier to like relate to that. So even like the next generations coming into engineering, like other younger girls uh, now have something to look to look up to and be like, oh, okay, like I'm not alone. And it happens. Like everybody goes through challenges at the end of the day. Like nobody can just be, you know, good at everything uh and then yeah I try to share some of that myself too because I feel like it just humanizes the person and you're just like oh yeah because online you are you already know Mina and Laura everything is very much like positive like Instagram is kind of like a highlight reel but I really appreciate seeing those posts where people are more real about their struggles I agree I was gonna say my favorite part about it is and I I'm, I don't know if I'm sure you get these kinds of messages as well, but it's people that had messaged me in like 2017 2018 when they were students and they were struggling and they were asking me for advice and now they're messaging me and they're like oh I graduated I found my first <laughs> job and it is just so nice to see that progress and then be a part of it like I think that's the best part and that's my favorite part about um the iron ring girls community just to see that progress and then they actually message and say and they update you on their life which is so cool Um, that's my favorite part Um, they share their challenges and then they share their successes too which i think is pretty incredible that's so beautiful that's great (laughs) definitely so many people like we've seen so many people grow you know as the community grew, like as um, this entire like STEM community grew, we've been following these people and following their journey for so many years. And like, it's kind of like almost even with you now, it's like to see like all the things that you're doing with Iron Ring Girls, it's, it's really nice to 
see everyone grow through their successes and failures. So can you tell us more about what really inspired you to start Iron Ring Girls? Um, Iron Ring Girls started for a couple of reasons. First off, it was back then, <laughs> memes were a huge thing. And they were so, f- I don't know if you remember, that was this like one yeah. year span where... <laughs> memes had come out and people like you know what tiktok like right now on tiktok everyone's just obsessed with it yeah our tiktok back then used to be memes and everyone was just obsessed and they were funny like Mm -hmm. (laughs) they were entertaining (laughs) so i would read these memes and stuff and then i would relate to some of them but in in the engineering world type of relating to it so then I was like oh man I really want to like make this so it kind of inspired inspired me to like start making these like funny jokes about being a student well back then it was more like student related contact content because I was uh, I had just graduated so I started making it kind of started from there and then the second reason is I was I was so lonely when I graduated I felt so and not in, not lonely in the sense that I didn't have any friends. I actually have some of my best friends to this day are friends from university. Um, but it just felt like, and I think the loneliness came from being very confused about everything. Like I, I told, like I was telling Laura um, earlier, <laughs> she started figuring things out maybe in first year of undergrad for me it started after graduation (laughs) so it was this very lonely and and confusing time for me where I I didn't really like my job I genuinely didn't know what I wanted to do in the next couple of years and uh, starting Iron Ring Girls and seeing how much people related to me and what I was going through I think that's what kind of pushed me towards um creating more content and then creating the community and over and initially it was more me creating content and talking about my own experience and speaking from my own experience but then slowly I realized the community is so much bigger than me and I am just this tiny little part of this massive potential and so slowly over the years the content shifted more towards community-based content and I started sharing others other people's advice and other people's experience on the page as well because you know sometimes people would ask me questions that I genuinely didn't know the answer to and uh, it it was only fair to everybody if um, everybody had a voice on the platform so it kind of sh- it shift even if you go down the page to like the previous years you'll see before it used to be a lot of me on the page um, and like pictures of me and me at work and me in the office and this and that but now it's very community focused and I think that shift was absolutely necessary to get that the message across because a community is so much bigger than just one person you know. So that's kind of how Iron Ring Girl started, and that's the direction that it's going towards right now. Yeah, I could completely, yeah, I completely agree with that. I think, you know, same for us, like Maritza and I, when we first started, we came to that point 
as well where we're like, well, there's so much, there's engineering is so broad and we're both just civil engineers. Like, how are we going to really be able to support other engineers in the community? It's like, well, we don't have the answers, but everyone else can share theirs. So I think that's like the best part about it. At the end of the day, like everyone just kind of got together and became supportive of each other, even though like everyone had different engineering backgrounds. You know, and the reason for that is regardless of your um, niche in engineering, a lot of women in the field go through the very same thing. So we have a lot of common experiences in different shapes and forms. And that's why everybody can just relate to each other. You know, like when I talk about, um, like I write these blog posts on the page and when I talk about something like, manage like older men not listening to you at work doesn't matter if you're in in tech or civil or electrical or construction like this relates to you you know we have a lot of common grounds between each other um as women in stem so talking about challenges have you faced any challenges as a woman engineering yourself if so how how have you navigated those situations Imagine I say no, I haven't. Nina, tell us your secrets. I think it's going to be the goal. Maybe like years from now, someone, a woman is going to be like, no, I haven't. And honestly, uh, I think day. that would make us very happy. <laughs> one day someone's going to be like, nah, it's been pretty smooth. <laughs> Chill. <laughs> yeah. Um, of course, yeah, of course, there's been challenges. Um and I wouldn't say all the challenges that I faced were because I'm a woman in engineering. Some of the challenges of were because I'm a young woman in engineering. Some are because I sound like a 14-year-old girl in engineering when I pick up the phone. Some are because I look very young. Like These challenges come with uh, – there's different reasons behind these challenges. And, and I'm very serious when I say like when you sound young on the phone, it has its own challenges that you have to go through, you know? Or especially mm-hmm. if you look um, young or especially if you are young and then um, um, being a woman, it's the most challenges that I've had were not necessarily technical because like the technical knowledge, you, you generally do learn a lot of it on site, especially if you have good mentors. Like I've had really great um, managers and mentors everywhere that I worked, but I wouldn't call those challenges. I think everybody has those types of challenges, right? Like you don't know the project really well and then you get you work on it for a couple months and then, it, you know, it's like a snowball effect and then you learn more. But the biggest challenge that I've had in at work is um, confrontation. And I don't know if that's just me and, or uh, a lot of people, but I, I'm a person that I, I'm scared of confrontations. Like I'm not good with confrontations, even in my personal life. Like if there's a, uh, an argument or something, like it stresses me out. Now imagine like if I'm stressed out talking about an argument with my own family, imagine what it's like talking um, with strangers, you know, like trying to resolve a conflict with strangers. And that's been one of the big, and I, and still to this day, I'm working on it, but conflict resolution uh, in a professional way with strangers or like coworkers is such a difficult thing for me. 
Um, I don't know. Have you experienced the same? Like, have you experienced this, or are you like really good with uh, solving prob like conflicts and stuff with people? I always get nervous. Like, it, it's definitely something that it doesn't come easy to me, and something that I've had to work through, or just like even before it happens. I think fear of confrontation is something that just gives me anxiety. To be honest. Same. Yeah. The anxiety is so real. Um, mm -hmm. So a couple of things that have helped me is to uh, – what I used to do when a conflict happened, my initial reaction was agreeing with them. Like I would just agree until they would just stop complaining or um, or so that they would – until they would stop – yeah, complaining basically or not complaining. What's the right word? Until the conflict would just stop. Like I would just like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yes, yes. Like agreeing. And then very quickly I realized that is so not healthy because um, obviously for obvious reasons, you can't just keep agreeing with people. And I learned the skill to in a very positive way have a conflict with someone. You know what I mean? Um Like, for example, negotiation, I think, is like the best example where it's not a conflict, but it is a back and forth situation where people will get uncomfortable. Like you will be in situations where um, you're, it's going to make you feel very uncomfortable. It's going to make you give you maybe anxiety. And I'm not just talking about like salary negotiation. I'm talking about like you're building someone a house, your money is in their hands and you have to manage their money. Now, how do you go out there and spend their money? How do you negotiate with other trades to spend their money? Like, that's a skill. And and if you mess up, you have somebody's money in your hands, you know? It's not like a big project where you don't know where the money's coming from. Like, I know, personally, I know this person who was giving me this money. And um, when conflict happens and when you have to go through these, like, very high anxiety situations, it's challenging. And uh, I think that's been my biggest challenge to this day. And I'm, and I'm working on it and I've gotten better at it. But um, if you can overcome these types of challenges, I feel like it would definitely help you move forward. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, and I like that you share that on your page and like how to really deal with that conflict mm -hmm. uh, in a positive and professional way because that's – It is a skill. You don't necessarily know it when you first start working. Yeah, I've, I have friends that are in, um, like I work at a small firm, but my friends that are working at bigger firms and the pressure is so high sometimes with the responsibility that you have as a project manager or the engineer. And the higher the pressure, mm -hmm. the more you have to be able to handle it and I'm talking about these things and I know they're not, I know a lot of professions have this issue and you have to deal with this in a lot of professions, but I really like to focus on this in engineering because there's a reason why they say women only stay in engineering six to 10 years after they graduate. Because when something like this happens, a lot of us start thinking that, oh, it's because I'm a woman in engineering or it's because um it's engineer it's not it's just a personality it's a character trait it's a personality trait that no one has taught you and you just don't know how to deal with it and you're learning like it is genuinely a, like the first 10 years of work is still a very steep learning curve you know 
Mm-hmm. It's not because engineering is bad or engineering is hard or because you're incapable of being in this profession. No, it's just even if you went into banking, you would probably face same, uh, the same pressure after 10 years of working. Even if you went into medicine, you would have to deal with, you know, its own type of pressures. Like it's in every profession, but I don't know why in, in engineering it was just such a big thing where it's like, um, it's not a place for women, and I think they've used these stressful situations as excuses that, oh, maybe women can't do it, but it, it has nothing to do with you being a woman. It's just that no one taught you this stuff in school. You're learning. Like, you're learning through your experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but I'll, I'll agree. I think it's it's not so much, like, because we are women or because you're a woman, but it's just, like, an environment that wasn't necessarily built around women so it's not that women don't got what it takes it's just like no one really thinks that hey maybe like they need to develop this type of like character or they these type of personalities or something like beyond just like hard work or like proving ourselves and i think that there needs to be more of a shift of okay it's great that like there's more talk or movement or supporting women and and like uh, yeah male dominated fields but it's the change that needs to happen is just changing the whole environment not just like trying to change women to help them adapt to this type of place but actually changing the environment to help it fit women and help them thrive in in that environment so hopefully that's a change that we we continue to see and uh, that happens throughout the years you want to know something funny to add up on what you said. Uh, yeah. So we had this we had this thing in our office um, where we had these videographers come in um, and we were shooting this like um, more for like marketing purposes. Uh, and, and the videographer came into the office and it was a bunch of guys, and a bunch of girls, and we were just kind of like, uh, you know, working and doing our thing and they were um, videotaping us. And then the guy, the, and, you know, we had hard hats, we had drawings, we had all, you know, the whole nine yards. And then the videographer came and he kept coming to me and, uh, and mind you, I am like one of the top project managers at this company. So he comes to me and he's like, can you pick up the phone? And I'm like, sure. Uh, like for the video, you know? And he's like, okay, like I just wanted to look like, you know, you're picking up the phone and answering the phone. And then he goes to the guy and he's like, can you hold this? And this guy that he asked, he was like a co-op student. He's like, can you pick up the hard hat and the drawings and like come in through the door so it looks like you just came from sight? And I'm like, hold up. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're not. Wait up. <laughs> like, first of all, like, I mean, like, good for, like, you're a co-op and that's great and everything. And like, I, I would like to be encouraging to you, but you're just doing this because he's a guy and I'm a girl and you just want me to pick up the phone so it looks like I'm more of like a secretary kind of have I uh, have like a secretary kind of role and he's like you know oh the, the macho man that came out the door with his heart <laughs> hat so I was like no, no, oh no, my no. gosh and then it's hilarious because I actually said it and then we're like okay so let's change the roles and that's exactly what we did and then my my man my boss like the owner of the company he uh who's a very big mentor to me he came he after the shoot he was like I didn't even notice that and I'm like, yeah, yeah, because you guys are just so used to this. Like, you're immune to it. And yeah. I always point these things out. I'm like, the way you sit in meetings, for example, the way you just put your leg up on your other leg, you know, you kinda, you're kind of you so relaxed on the chair. That is, like, 
intimidating to to women like you're so used to it, but when uh, when i sit at a meeting i'm so proper and i have my hands across the desk like you know what i mean like it's these small things that are either deeply implemented into the culture and nobody realizes that it's it's wrong um or it's uh, and yeah so it was hilarious and then we redid the whole shoot and it was kind of great and i got to walk in with the heart hat and the drawings and everything yes <laughs> No. I'm so glad you said something and you were the person, you know, walking in that door with the drawings. <laughs> the drawings. It's minor <laughs> things, but the reason why I said the story is because um, we notice these things because we know how it feels and we've been through it, but a lot of people don't even notice. And they're they're very happy to be part of the change. They just don't know what needs to be changed. Like, like I said, the way you sit in a meeting, the way you um, uh, shoot a marketing video for an engineering firm, these are important things. These are visual things that people see and they just don't realize what they're doing. So I, I would highly say, for whoever's listening to this podcast, I would highly, highly recommend just speaking up about every little thing, every little thing that you think should be changed. I think you should just speak up about it. I agree wholeheartedly (laughs) (laughs) so you are a project manager you're also a real estate agent right and you know you're the creator of iron ring girls but what do you do to help you balance your time and manage like multiple things at the same time so i think time management is a skill that i really developed in school um especially when it came to engineering because our workload was just so um, we had such a heavy workload um and the way i do it is taking everything one little task at a time and that's something very important that i've learned i think when you look at the overall picture it's very overwhelming you know oh my god i have to run an instagram page and i have to sell a house and then i have to finish this project and go on site and cook and clean and, and, and I don't know, shower. I know it sounds easy, but sometimes having the motivation (laughs) to just like go and shower is a lot, but uh, I have to work out and, and have mental health days and all like that. Looking at that as a big picture is extremely overwhelming. Um, And the way I take care of it is just literally every half hour of of a day at a time so you know you get home you're like you know what i'm just gonna focus on one thing for the next half hour even if it is just watching tv or whatever and i think breaking down these large tasks into smaller tasks every day is what really helps and then you know you look back after a year and you're like oh wow i accomplished so much because i paid attention you know i took my time with one task at a time um, and I think that's that's what's been working for me so far. That's great. I like that. What, half an hour at a time. <laughs> yeah. Time yeah, blocking. especially like if you're a nine to five, uh, if you're working nine to five, the nine to five, it's, it goes by pretty quick because you're working. But the f- five to 12 a.m., it could either be, a, you know, a complete waste of your time <laughs> and you could just be on, yeah. like, online or whatever. Or you could just genuinely plan for it every half hour or something. Like I said, even if it is just like taking a break for a solid hour or two, but 
being mindful of, of what you're doing is with your free time, very important. What advice would you give to other people who are interested in pursuing a similar career as yours? My advice, my first advice would be to practice patience. I think in this hustle culture that we're living in right now, which I don't really like, <laughs> I think social media has developed such a hustle culture where they make it look like you have to be productive at every minute of every day and you have to have reached this certain goal at a certain age and like these images that they're portraying um i think you need to have a lot of patience to take your time assess your situation get to know yourself analyze your work like and and make smart decisions uh, on what your next move is, you know? So for example, I think anybody could be successful in this career. It's just a matter of patiently uh, finding that thing that works best for you. And finding that thing that works best for you takes a lot of time, usually. <laughs> like if you're lucky, maybe it won't take you that much time, but because it comes with experience, right? Um, so my advice would definitely be, first of all, to have patience. And the second thing is, and I say this to myself a lot of the times too, is, uh, if you don't do it for yourself, no one's going to do it for you. And I really believe in that. When you get older, you kind of realize, you know, people don't owe you anything and people are not going to do you a whole lot of favors. Of course, there are people that are going to help you and mentor you and, and, and do favors for you, but I'm talking very generally. Like Everyone's busy with their own thing. I don't know if you've noticed this as you're getting older, but like everyone's busy with their own lives. And if you really want some things to happen for you, you have to be very active. You have to be, you have to very actively go towards that thing that you want. I think that would be my, my two advice. I don't know if, if you would relate to that or if you've experienced something close to this, but I think patience and actively working towards something, have those two things have really, really helped me figure out not just my career, but just like my personal life and just myself, you know? Yeah, I, I would second that. I think I've had a similar experience as well. I agree. I do definitely. I've noticed that as I've gotten older as um I don't know, you have a different relationship with people and then you get older and you're just like, yeah, everybody is in their own world. Like I used to care what people think and be like, oh, they're probably going to judge me or something. And now I'm just like, no one actually cares. Everybody's in their own world doing their own yeah. thing, you know. <laughs> That's very yeah. true. Right. And, and yeah. don't get me wrong. This isn't about like people not caring about you or not helping you when you need help. Like, no, no, they will do that. Like, especially, you know, close people around you. It's more of that general mindset that, oh, someone, like, someone's always going to do something for me or someone's always going to offer me a job. Like, no, no, no. You have to really uh, actively mm -hmm. pursue something for it to happen for you. It, it sounds a little bittersweet, you know, but it's so real. And I think once you realize that, it's like you have this fire in you that it, it really pushes you to do that thing and a lot of the times and I mean like a lot of the times you don't know what that thing is you don't really know what you're going towards but you have such a like um 
motivation to like get, uh, let me put it in as an example. I don't know what I'm going to be doing in 10 years. Like I generally don't. Am I going to have my own company? Am I going to be working for a bigger company? Uh, I, I really don't know what my 10 years is, but I know that like for the next year, I'm really determined to finish this project that I have just to show the architects and my the people around me what a good project manager I am. Like that's my goal. Do you know what I mean? So, and I'm, I'm really going to push to, to, to portray that. I'm really going to push to show that and get the job done, well done, even though I don't know what the end goal is. And I think that's super important. Yeah, that's really important. I agree. Well, this has been an amazing time talking to you about everything, you know, from Iron Ring Girls to your career and everything that you've learned and all the advice that you shared with us today has been really, really good and helpful. Can you tell us where our listeners can connect with you online? Yes. So um, Iron Ring Girls (laughs) is the (laughs) page that me and my team run. There is a couple of us that uh, run the page. And if you do need to reach out to me, uh, you can uh, message us there. And uh, I would. Uh, you can always go on the Iron and Girls website if you want to learn more about myself or the community. And uh, I actually have two questions for Amy and Laura, <laughs> myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I want to ask you, what is it throughout your experience, what's, one thing that you've learned through your very personal experience that no one taught you in in school? So for me, I would have to say that it's uh, two really big things. The first one would be networking. I really didn't understand or comprehend the power of it Mm -hmm. until later as I got older. And I realized that Through networking, I can come across so many more opportunities than I would just with plain hard work, you know, and applying somewhere or doing anything really. Um, Having like connections and even just knowing like what does networking mean? How do you do it? How do you leverage those connections and be able to get to somewhere where you want to go? Like that, I didn't understand until Mm -hmm. later as I got older. And then the second thing for me would be the negotiating salaries. That has been something like I'm very also anti-conflict. Growing up, it's been hard for me to even advocate for myself. Now that I'm older and more confident in myself and I know who I am, I'm like, okay, like I know I can do it. I just need to learn how. So those would be my two things. Very interesting. Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah, I I will agree with, uh, I feel like I've had those similar experiences or I don't actually, I don't know. I feel like <laughs> I'm not really big on confrontation either, but I've always known to, like, if there's something that I wanted, I wanted to make sure I was, I guess, prepared to go after it. Or, like, I've always had or, like, felt confidence in me that I could do it. So, for example, like, negotiation it was it's something that like I knew I had to do so it's something I had to like prepare myself for um and it was something that I didn't even think twice about it whereas I know some people are actually like nervous or hesitant about it whereas for me it was like it's just something I got to do and then I kind of work backwards and even though I'm not the most confident person or like I'm still working on it 
it's been a great way to like push myself. But going back to Mina's question, I think there was one thing that I wish I knew before working full time, whereas I transitioned to my professional role, I think it's it, it goes back to being your biggest advocate. Mm. We did touch on this, but it's no one's coming to save you. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to want to help, but you're the at the end of the day, you're the only person that can decide how they can actually support you and help you. And if you don't have those clear goals or visions or if you don't go out of your way to network and talk to other people and see and figure out what you actually want or what you want to try next that can help you figure out the next thing that might fit you, it's going to be very difficult for other people to to try to help you and lend you a hand. So at the end of the day, you have to do all that work for yourself in order to let other people like help you as well. And I think another thing that I didn't really fully expect was how much how much learning <laughs> happenings outside of just the work environment. Especially mm-hmm. if you want to be good at what you do, there's going to be a lot of time that you're going to have to put outside of work hours to understand whether it's projects or I mean we work in we work in a developing field whether it's civil engineering or anything with engineering it's like constantly changing so um, we talked about this with TIFF um, on our previous podcast that we recorded earlier but it's just so many courses and or just learning experiences that you want to make sure you stay on top of to make sure that you continue advancing yourself because you're in charge of that no one else is really going to do it for you. They might want to support. Companies might pay for your education and like sponsorship and all that stuff. But you are the only person that can make that happen at the end of the day. Well, thank you. That was, uh, I always like to ask that question because it's interesting what answers you get from people because it comes from a personal experience, right? Um, yeah. And I appreciate you were both very honest and uh, great answers. It was really interesting. <laughs> yeah, thank you for asking. I, I think yeah. that's the first time like we've gotten that type of question on an episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but thank you so much for joining us today, Mina. It was honestly an amazing conversation. And thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge and your experience. And uh, it's been amazing talking to you. And if there's any way that we can continue to support iron ring girls and uh you personally would be more than happy to do that um and hopefully we can get you back on the podcast another time thank you so much for having me it was so much fun and it was really nice to meet both of you and um say hi to maritza for me (laughs) for sure oh my god yeah of course thank you so much mina this was really fun thanks Okay, everyone, that was it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, if you found value in this episode, don't forget to share it with your friends, leave a comment. You can also leave a small donation at anchor.fm slash engineering gals. We'll talk to you next Monday.